everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Daily Coast, the brief to our weekly show about politics. I'm Marcus Willis. I'm here with Carrie Aliveld. Carrie, how are you today? I'm doing great. Doing great. I'm trying to get my lighting set up, but I look, I I hope, I I hope everybody can see me. Oh, there we go. Little light. No, no, you look great. You look great. Today, we're going to be talking about the Republican immigration slash Ukraine slash Israel aid bill. And what a cluster F it has become, because we are seeing it once again, Carrie, that the Republican Party is utterly incapable of governing. You had Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma spent three months negotiating a bill that Republicans asked for, tying immigration reform at the border in exchange for Israel and Ukraine aid. Now, that in itself is bankrupt, tying in a fight, an existential fight for not just for democracy, but to stop an aggressor power that may draw U.S. forces into another war if they are not stopped. Tying that into domestic politics was in itself bankrupt, but that's what they did. And Democrats said, okay, that's what you want to do. We'll, we'll cut a deal. We'll negotiate a, a compromise. They did that. Republicans got much more on the border that anybody could be expected that that was actually reasonable to the point that the Hispanic caucus is pissed. A lot of progressive Dems aren't happy with it, but they got concessions that they're not going to get in any other situation, just literally impossible to get those concessions. And Donald Trump decided that he does not want to take the border off the table for his election campaign and turn the Republican party against the bill that they asked for, that they negotiated to the absurd point that now James Langford, who did the negotiating, is saying that he'll probably vote against his own negotiated deal. That is the current state of the of, of the Republican Party. Carrie, what's your take on that disaster? I <laughs> well, whew, there's a lot there, Marcos. A lot to work with. <laughs> so <laughs> we've got I mean, a whole show's worth to work on. <laughs> you almost, almost almost feel sorry for Senator Lankford. Almost. Okay. Just like he spent months negotiating this. It's, it's as conservative a deal. It's the harshest deal they could probably ever get. Partly because what they did was they said, we're not going to give you Ukraine funding unless we can get this deal. So they, you know, they weaponized Ukraine funding, funding for Israel in order to get this deal. And they got it, and it's tens of billions of dollars for border patrol resources. Progressive Democrats, like you said, do not like it and have said they would vote against it. It's that the, bad in their the eyes. Border, yep. Yeah, the Border Patrol Union, which are the biggest assholes in the labor movement, not even, even close. They, are, they endorsed Donald Trump twice. They came out for the deal because it is really a, a giveaway to conservative demands on the border. It makes asylum a lot more difficult. It caps the number of people that can come in legally. I mean, it, it is just an absolute draconic anti-immigrant immigration bill. They got right. what they wanted. They got what they wanted. And what Biden, I mean, Biden, who desperately wants to get funding to Ukraine, was like, okay, this is harsh, but he called it fair, which... You know, whatever. But yeah, whatever. Politically, he was like, okay. So, and he said, I'll, you know, he basically committed to signing it, you know, without major changes or whatever, and said that on the first day that it was signed, he would shut down the border because there's a cap on how many immigrants or how many migrants can cross the border before it just, the border just gets shut down. He said, and that cap that's in the bill 
regularly gets breached. And so he said, yeah, it's it's 5,000. And right now it's magnitude more than that. So it would automatically shut down the border. It doesn't give the president the option to ignore it, which is what Republicans claim. Because right now you can't. I mean, it's really at the discretion of the administration and Homeland Security. So look, this is what this is what legislating sometimes look like, right? The Democrats and especially the Biden White House were going to get something they really wanted. And in order to get that, they were going to I mean, it's it's I, I got to say it is it's BS that Republicans weaponized the Ukraine funding issue. We should just be supporting democracy abroad when someone like Putin invades a country for zero reason other than just to take that country over. Right. We should just be supporting democracy that should be that, right? But in this situation, given where we are with the Republican Party unwilling to support democracy abroad and actually becoming sort of a Putin-loving party. Um, literally, literally. Right? So yeah. so here's the White House. What are we going to do with this? Okay, we're going to accept this compromise that's been negotiated that's got a bunch of stuff in it that, you know, a bunch of border deal stuff in it that we actually don't like that much and the progressive Democrats definitely don't. But we're and then we're going to get this funding for Ukraine. We'll get funding for Israel and we'll just, you know, take our lumps a little bit on this border deal. And now and Trump was like, absolutely not. Senate Republicans, House Republicans do not give Biden what Trump thinks of as a win. Right. I need this issue. I need to be railing every day about the quote unquote Biden invasion. Right. I mean, as Trump. Yeah. Uh, and and Carrie, just to, so everybody understands this, we're not this is not conjecture. He has literally said this. Republicans have literally said we need to keep this issue for the debates for the presidential election. Who was it that said was it uh, Iowa? Chuck Grassley, like, why would we give President Biden a victory that will help him get reelected when we can get more if Trump is elected? Like, totally. They're not pretending. And- Okay, just to be clear, they're saying they're going to get more when Trump is elected. And when he was in office and they had control of both the House and the Senate, Marcos, do you remember them passing anything regarding immigration, anything at all? No, and there's no scenario in which Republicans have a filibuster-proof majority or even, you know, their odds of even taking the majority in the Senate are 50-50 at best. And Right now, I the Democrats are odds on favorites to take the House. So literally, if they actually care about the issue, and this is what's critical here. If right. they actually cared about the issue and cared about legislating, they would actually 100% support this deal. They don't care. It's just like abortion. Carrie, it's what we've been talking. Republicans didn't want abortion banned. They wanted to talk about it to rile up their evangelical base. And when the Supreme Court threw it out, it was a dog, the proverbial dog that caught the tr- a car, did not know what to do with it, right? Right. It's right. the same situation here. They don't want to solve the issue. They don't want to even pretend to solve the issue because I i don't know if this bill would actually solve the issue. People forget that fences and gates and walls, you can still dig over under them and you can still have a $10 ladder to jump over them. It, it, this is not going to stop the I issue. See. What's going to stop the issue is economic prosperity and security in the countries that are sending these immigrants. That's what's going to stop. But anyway, beside that, it is literally the abortion debate all over again. And Republicans are like, oh, my God, last time we got what we wanted, it backfired on us disastrously. So they don't want what they want. 
Right. They don't they don't want and Trump especially doesn't want it. Right. And so now we're in a, we're in this situation where they, they are almost certainly going to torpedo their own deal, even in the Senate. They're not even going to push it through the Senate and then have House Republicans. Even in the Senate, they're probably going to torpedo this deal that they negotiated for months. And so here is we're going to play a clip of Joe Biden talking at the White House today. He's at a White House state dinner. He made remarks. They are not super. The the way in which he says them says this is not super forceful. But what he says is forceful. He was basically saying, this isn't how I wanted this to go down, but if this is the stunt you're going to pull, which is to kill your own deal, I am going to hang this around your necks every day until November at the ballot box. So let's just listen to, he also tells them to grow a spine. (laughs) Let's listen. Let's listen to, let's listen to Biden do it. Immediately. But if the bill fails, I want to be absolutely clear about something. American people are going to know why it failed. I'll be taking this issue to the country. And the voters are going to know that it's not just a moment. Just at the moment, we're going to secure the border and fund these other programs. Trump and the MAGA Republicans said no, because they're afraid of Donald Trump. (laughs) Afraid of Donald Trump. Every day between now and November, the American people are going to know that the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends. It's time for Republicans in the Congress to show a little courage, to show a little spine, to make it clear to the American people that you work for them, not for anyone else. I know who I work for. I work for the American people. I like it. <laughs> I'm like, this is not where the White House or anybody would really want to be, but here we are because of the Republican Party. And Joe Biden is like, he's literally said, every day I'm going to make sure the American people know who killed this deal. And so when Trump and Republicans are out there ranting about the border and the invasion and, you know, the Biden administration not being tough enough on immigration and not shutting down the border and whatever, the very, very unvarnished and, uh, you know, in your face response from the White House and from the team Biden, the Biden campaign is going to be, you guys tanked the deal. We were going to take it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a loose, loose, maybe for for Republicans, because just taking a step back and looking at how the 2024 presidential campaign and and actually the whole entire cycle is shaping up. Right. Abortion is going to be top issue does not play well for Republicans. Democracy is going to be a top critical issue, does not play well for Republicans. The economy, if it was an issue, it's really losing its salience. I mean, the economy is actually doing quite well. There's this talk of this vibe session, right, where people feel worse than economic indicators suggest. But even those economic indicators and people's sentiment is actually every every month we're seeing those tick up and up Getting and better. up. So yep. inflation's really, you know, it, it's it's stopped, right? There's no inflation right now. Jobs are still strong. So that is an increasing, if that wasn't the salient issue in 2022, when they actually had a real case at 8% inflation, not sure how it's going to play right now. 
So Republicans are really casting out desperately for an issue, right? And so they've really landed on this on this immigration. Where polling does show that people trust Republicans more on border security for whatever reason, right or wrong, it's just reality. So sort of the 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 question here is then: Do Republicans do this deal, which is really the best deal they, they they'll they'll ever get? I don't think there's they're never. This is it. This is their one chance. This is done. Not only will they not have the majorities necessary to push anything tougher, but now Democrats have been burned. So there will be zero interest amongst Democrats to walk this plank ever again. So they're, 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 this is their one shot. So either they, they take that shot and then it's no longer an issue for, for November because then Biden can say, we passed a bipartisan deal. Right? It's just like the, right. and Biden loves to talk about bipartisan. He loves that. So either that or they keep the issue alive by not passing this this legislation. But you know what? This is <laughs> Trump clearly realizes this is the only thing he literally I don't think there's anything else in Trump's uh, playbook other than than they're going to, you know, their immigrants are going to come and kill you and rape you and take your jobs. I think that's like the, his entire campaign at this point. Well, so he's like, oh, don't take it off the, the table because I got nothing. But. Republicans asked to put this on the table. Democrats didn't. Republicans right. could have made any other issue. They just called, they thought they were bluffing Democrats into not giving aid to Ukraine because they are in Putin's pocket. They did not want to give any money to Ukraine. So they thought, what do Democrats hate more than anything else? And it's being cruel to immigrants. And so they thought this was this was the bluff they called. And he threw the issue they thought that Democrats would never negotiate on. Democrats called the bluff. They did. And now they're trapped because they lose either way. That's right. real. Right. And you can see the desperation as the with for Trump, right? Yeah. Trump was railing about this deal today on Truth Social and saying things like Republicans should never accept this quote unquote horrendous deal, you know, and like he's got a whole bunch of it's a long rant and I didn't read the whole thing. And it's got some all caps because you, it's never good without no tweet is good without all caps. You got to have all caps. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. He's got against punctuation. But, but OK. He knows that this, you know, just like when he came down the escalator in 2016 and said things we had never heard a politician say out loud about, you know, immigrants and particularly, um, you know, immigrants from Mexico and things like that. He knows that this is this is probably his biggest red meat issue for his, you know, for for the working class base that he's trying to appeal to. Right. And what he and, and then the other the other issue that he has that he hopes to appeal to among, you know, the Republican, the male Republicans who like check their 401k every morning and all that stuff, you know, check their stock market, their their earnings and all that stuff. He's hoping to to appeal to them on the economy, the tax cuts that he's going to do, but also the economy. And he is beside himself that the stock market is hitting, you know, record high surges. And he's trying to, again, in all caps, take credit for the Biden economy, for the Biden stock market surge. He is, um, number one, rooting for a crash, like literally telling in an interview, this was a couple weeks ago, saying, I hope there's an economic crash and it comes sooner rather than later. He <laughs> wants it to be sooner because he said, I never want to be the Hoover president. I never want to be the guy who lost more jobs, you know, during his presidency than, well, actually, 
he's already the Hoover president because he <laughs> did lose more jobs during the pandemic than he came into office with, right? So he's like that. So lost more jobs than gained, right? So anyway, he's rooting for the stock market crash. He's saying it out loud. When the stock market surges, he's sending out all caps tweets on true social saying, it's really mine. It's really my economy because, you know, everybody's like looking forward to November when I'm going to be president, I'm going to be elected president. And they're already responding to that super amazing prospect of him, you know, becoming president. And he, and he's also, you know, he's the chaos candidate. So he's, he's also telling Americans to, to fear monger. Hey, look, if I'm not elected, there's going to be bedlam in the streets, right? He's he's suggesting that somehow that if he isn't elected, it's going to be a, you know, that's going to be a signal, a stolen election again and whatever. But because he's the chaos candidate and he needs the fear of the chaos in order to get some people to his corner again and again and again, he is promising chaos and bedlam in the streets of America if he isn't elected. So he's desperately trying to shape his own reality, right? Where there's a quote unquote invasion at the border that he can rant about, right? Never mind the fact that he helped, he actually ordered congressional Republicans to kill the deal that would have given at least the federal government some resources to try and work with here. And, you know, and shut down some of the, the border crossings, et cetera, right? He is promising chaos if he doesn't get elected. He's promising bedlam there's going to be in the streets. He is also rooting for a stock market crash, forecasting that there's going to be wild inflation, especially with the, you know, the conflict in the Middle East, which I have to say, there is a possibility of some inflationary pressure on energy and gas prices and whatever with the, you know, but he is saying that's going to happen because he wants to speak it into reality. He's also rooting for, did I say the stock market crash? And he's rooting for inflation, right? Russia, Putin, he's rooting for those guys. Exactly, he's rooting for Russia. So everything that Trump wants to run on, he feels like is slippery. It's slipping through his fingers and he's desperate to have those things. And it's really really a fascinating turn of events to see how badly he is rooting against America, against democracy, against consumers, against the best interest of voters, and especially the working class voters who he says he's championing. He is working every day to try to make things worse for them and not better. Yeah, and he's doing that also for his own party, dragging him down. And one of the, we've talked about this for years now, Kerry, how, how bizarre it is that the Republicans keep attaching themselves to Trump, given that he's led them to historic losses in 18, 20, 22, 23. And now we're heading into 24. And the dynamics that led to those Democratic victories in those previous years have not gone away. Nothing's changed. Now, a lot of people may point to the polls and they say, oh, well, you know, Donald Trump's leading in the polls. First of all, I wouldn't put much stock in most of those polls. Most of those polls are actually junk Republican outfits or trash outfits. Hey, did you see did you see where where the economists went and took these 538 polls and ranked the so that so the very good pollsters, right, the very good poll, there was very good, good, decent, poor and unranked. 
Okay. And so when they looked at the national polling of a Trump Biden rematch, the very good pollsters had Trump it's up tied. by by it's point. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's tied. Right. By point yeah. one five percent or something. Yeah. It's not not even one percent. Point one five percent. It's tied. Right. It's a dead heat among the very, very good pollsters and among the unranked pollsters who are just these ju- these GOP junk polls you're talking about. Trump is up by 6.5% percentage points. So like, there's a lot of reasons not to trust the polling right now. And I could, I've written a lot about it and I could talk more about it. But certainly, even if you're just looking at 538 and the averages, you can't look at these unranked pollsters Uh or these poor, these pollsters with poor ratings. They are coming up with completely more Trumpified you know, pro-Trump uh, uh, averages and responses than the the very good pollsters. Okay, I'm sorry, yeah, I had to interrupt. No, and we, we saw that last cycle too, is that the Republicans have flooded the, the, the infosphere, info space with these junk partisan pollsters that are designed to try to change the narrative, right? So in 2022, they had the big, that's why Republicans were convinced they had a big wave coming because their old junk pollsters were showing these big Republican advantages. Even if, but I'll say this, Carrie, here's here's my limb. I'm going to go on. Even if the good pollsters gave Trump a six point lead right now, I would rather be Joe Biden because the fundamentals of the electorate right now, we're seeing it time and time again that they favor Democrats. Turnout is is much harder. The, the I mean, look at the perfect example is Wisconsin, which is the most 50-50 state. We just had a mid cycle in the middle of the of the year supreme court race and we won that by 11 points so we are in an environment where democrats are far more likely to turn out republicans are far less likely to turn out and swing voters which are in large part as we've talked a lot in the past swing voters are predominantly college educated suburban white women in the suburbs Uh, they are not being they are not being um swayed by whatever Trump crazy, all caps, hysterical, calling Nikki Haley bird brain. Those things are not playing to his favor. And when you look at the actual polls themselves and they say, oh, well, it's, you know, Trump's ahead. You're looking at 46, 42. You're not talking 50 percent. That's also important. There is a segment of Democrats and probably independents that haven't come home yet because there's still this. We've talked about this before. There's still this belief that there's somebody that's going to come out of the primaries that's going to that's going to replace Joe Biden. Joe Biden is not particularly popular. Nobody has to pretend otherwise. And some people, uh, some Democrats still believe that yeah. Nikki Haley might beat Trump. I mean, you know, what I mean, like it's right. it's both right. There's people who are a little bit like maybe not totally paying attention, hopeful that there's going to be a different you know dynamic other than this Biden Trump rematch. But there's a lots of Democrats who still think Nikki yeah. Haley might beat Trump and. Of course. And what I will say is I will start paying attention to the polls. First of all, I will always pay attention to special elections before I pay attention to polls. There is direct correlation with how well Democrats perform in special elections to general election results. We've seen that now in four cycles straight, number one. But number two, I would really wait till the conventions. That's when it's going to sink into people that, oh, shit. (laughs) No, it is Biden and Trump. I literally... I literally wrote this this morning where I was like, 
let's, I wrote a polling piece and I was like, let's revisit the polls once we get to the convention time. I mean, literally, I literally said that. Can I piggyback on some of the stuff you're saying? Or are you done? You you got Uh, more? No, you can. Yeah, go ahead. So I just want to say, too, that, you know, you're talking about the environment being better for Democrats. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But also just look at where Trump is right now. Right. Okay. so number one, he isn't the the, what we've seen in Iowa and New Hampshire is he isn't actually pulling out like a bunch of new voters that we've never seen before. Right. Because there was a, a decrease, a specific decrease in turnout in Iowa. We know weather, et cetera. But it's not like all of a sudden these Trump counties were just going gangbusters. The other thing is that there there was a, a lot, a big turnout in New Hampshire, but mostly it was a bunch of independents voting in the, you know, polling a Republican ballot so that they could vote for Nikki Haley over Trump. So, but nonetheless, Trump is at a high point in his candidacy. He yeah. proved, yeah. you know, victorious in Iowa, New Hampshire. And, it's and enough for him. Which he only won by about half the vote. He, he, right, half right, the Republican right, exactly. voted against him. Exactly. Yeah. He's he's an incumbent Republican who 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 basically only drew somewhere between 50 and 55 percent of the electorate. OK, in both places. That's enough for him to say, look, Nikki Haley doesn't have a path. I'm going to be the nominee. Almost everybody, short, you know, short of what people talk about him choking on a cheeseburger. One yeah. one person called Whoops. it the che- the hamburger from heaven, which cracked me up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, was, there's a non-zero I, chance that happens. Yeah. Right, right, the hamburger from heaven. I think I have to credit, I think that was Tim Miller, who we had on, what, last week or two weeks ago, talking about the hamburger from heaven. But anyway, short of some event like that, right, Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. And we hope that, you know, Nikki Haley gives him hell. But he is at a high point because he gets to claim, I'm going to be the nominee. I won the first two contests. You know, people should unite around me. Voters generally like a winner. People, most Republican voters really like Trump anyways. And now they're convincing themselves, yeah, he can totally win. Biden's, you know, a terrible president, but whatever they're telling themselves. And their junk polls are reinforcing that idea. Yeah, and their junk polls are reinforcing that. So, you know, Trump is kind of at a high point of looking, you know, somewhat invincible right now, Mm -hmm. right? Meanwhile, there's a ton of political gravity coming his way. Not only is Nikki Haley hammering him with the independent soft Republicans who are watching her. She, you know, everything from mental acuity to he's a grumpy old man. There's so there's so much. She's <laughs> Politico called it. She's reached the the YOLO stage of her candidacy. God, I wish she would have done. I would say all would have done from the beginning. She, no kidding. She just oh. threw the kitchen sink, and it's great. You know, you know everything and the kitchen sink at him. It's great. But anyway, she's going to be doing that shtick, right? The in the meantime, there are these rulings that are coming down that are imminent. We just last week had the eighty-three million dollar ruling in the defamation case against writer and columnist E. Jean Carroll, right? And then he defamed um, her again. So there's right, and he def- he defamed. <laughs> you should just keep on talking, Trump. So, and we've got sometime in the next probably few weeks, we're going to get the judgment on the civil fraud case in New York, which will probably be hundreds of millions of dollars. The New York AG asked for $370 million in damages, 
And most people who are prognosticating about this, people smarter about the law than me, thinks that it's going to come in somewhere in the hundreds of millions. Okay, that's not a good look either. He will probably also be kicked out of doing business in the state of New York. That's probably not a good look. And then there's still the possibility. And, uh, you know, I hear I see people on both sides saying, you know, I don't mean both sides, Republican and Democrats. I see legal experts, some of them saying this January 6th trial will definitely take place before the election. And some people saying this actually could be put off until after the election. Yeah, well, the appeals court just ruled that in a 3-0 decision that that Trump doesn't have presidential immunity. Exactly. Today. So that's six days. He's got six days to appeal it to the Supreme Court. They may shadow docket it, but we'll see what the Supreme Court does. So a lot of it really will depend. I I can't imagine that even the most conservative Supreme Court justices are hip to the idea that a president can murder somebody in office and have no accountability, including murdering his or her opponents. And the federal uh, appeals court that took it up decided, like you said, 3-0. It was unanimous. It was a unanimous every judge, decision. Every judge in this whole yep. process has been unanimous. So we'll right. see what the Supreme Court does. Hopefully they just stomp it down. And then and then it would happen before, before the election. Right. To my point, if that trial goes through and it will be public, I don't think there will be – there's not going to be – yeah. Are there going to be – no, there, there's going to no, be no cameras, cameras, I think. Georgia no would have the cameras. It's a Georgia one. Georgia. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Georgia would have the cameras. Nonetheless – we will have the public testimony of Trump's closest people, Mark Meadows and people like that, saying exactly what he did and didn't do on January 6th. That is going to be, you know, really disastrous. The MAGA Republicans will ignore it. They'll find a reason to rationalize it away. But for independents, um, this is going to be yeah. this is going to be bad news for him. So there is just I, I'm just saying there's like a mountain of he's probably at somewhat of a high point right now before. Oh, and the three hundred and fifty million dollars that Biden has now the Biden campaign is now booked in advertising. The Biden campaign is running a disciplined, well-funded, um, you know, campaign money. money. That isn't that right with real money that just doesn't involve a lot of all caps tweets. There's a real strategy. There's real money. They're doing real fundraising and they booked for between the convention and election day already three, I think 350. Is it 250? I can't remember. It's one of those. It's a lot of freaking money in advertising that they've already booked. So, so he, you know, Trump and Republicans gonna... are the committees are, are broke and Trump's right. super PAC is basically a vehicle to fund the legal fees. The legal fees. That's right. where it's going. It's not going into any kind of building an operation. I mean, Trump right now is waiting. he's on a he's on a lobbying campaign to oust Ronna McDaniel because, you know, supposedly because the Who's RNC the, has the Republican Party. Right. They, right. Chair of the Republican National Committee. Right. The RNC. And it had its worst fundraising year last year. The filings, the federal filings just came in last week and it's had its worst fundraising year in a decade. But if you do inflation adjusted, it was actually its worst fundraising in 30 years. And that's a real problem for Trump because he really needs them to help him out if he's going to be spending all of his money on, you know, legal fees. So he refuses to let anybody else use his likeness to raise money because he just wants it all to himself, which then goes to his legal fees. So it's this vicious, destructive circle. So, Carrie, we're almost out of time. So I just want to bring it right back to how we began is that 
this is sort of the environment. And Trump has the one issue that he thought he was going to run on, right, which is the, the border. And we just heard Joe Biden saying every time Donald Trump opens his mouth and says the border, the border, the border, Democrats are going to be like, you, veto, you torpedoed your own bill. It really takes a lot of the wind out of that sail. A lot of it, again, like you say, the MAGA people, they're in their bubble. They don't care. They're 30% of the electorate. They're not, they're, they're an important percent, but they're not going to get Donald Trump to victory. I, that is an incredibly potent argument to those college-educated suburban white voters who may be concerned about the border. I don't think they particularly are, but may, maybe they are on the security, on the, on the crime safety thing. They might be susceptible to that. And for, for sure, they, I think, are susceptible to the idea of a functioning, workable government. And here you had a bipartisan deal that was torpedoed by Trump in order to make those crazy accusations on the campaign trail. It really defangs those attacks and it creates, it's the biggest immunity shield that Joe Biden could have. Again, win-win. And it was an own goal because Democrats didn't ask to tie in Ukraine and Israel aid to the immigration bill. Republicans did, and now they're realizing that they just shot themselves in both feet. I don't think they have a way forward. So that's where they're at now. And so, again, I like where we are, and, and it puts Democrats in a good place moving forward, a good, solid foundation to move forward. Because you're right, Donald Trump's at his high point right now. It's it's artificial. It's inflated. It's based on factors that really have nothing to do with what's going to transpire once a convention is set. And everybody's like, okay, yeah. These are our candidates and love them or hate them. These are our candidates. And then people are going to actually start to make that decision. That's not based on, I don't like Joe Biden because of vibes. Because really it's the only reason not to like Joe Biden right now is vibes. Uh, maybe some tangible policy issues, but mostly it's vibes. And you get from, I don't like Joe Biden because of vibes to I'm terrified of Donald Trump for real reasons because our democracy is at stake. So I think that's where we're going to be headed. I think we're in good shape. I'm feeling pretty good about the cycle, just like we felt, Carrie. Both of us felt good about the last cycle when conventional wisdom said Democrats are doomed, red wave. So I think we're, we're good. So uh, I don't know if you have any final thoughts before we sign off. Almost 100% concur. The only thing I would say is I still worry, and I know you're not as worried about a third-party candidate, but hey, anyone out there who knows someone who's saying, I'm just going to do a protest vote for a third-party candidate, just tell them that's a vote for Donald Trump, not to do it. It's a vote Amen. for Trump. So thank you, Gary, for being my, as always, lovely co-host. Thanks to Walter for producing. Thanks to everybody who else behind the scenes, Paul and Gary. Thank you, the viewer, listener, reader, for being part of the Daily Coast movement to save our country. It still blows my mind that democracy itself is on the ballot. We're seeing it electorally. We're even seeing it in the media environment with the demise of big chunks of the media. Democracy is under threat, and thanks to you, we're able to fight back. So thanks so much. Thanks for joining us today. Catch you all next week.